Welcome to Get Wisdom with your hosts, Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Imagine if God was a co-host. What if the historically rare ability to converse with God and get profound answers to questions has been rediscovered? What would God say to today's troubled world? Get Wisdom will share those answers. Now, here is Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Get Wisdom. I'm Brian Kelly, along with Get Wisdom founder and director, Carl Mollison. This week, Carl, we're going to talk about Creator's insights on motivation and complacency. I know complacency is probably the biggest problem I have these days. Well, it's very common. People see it manifested different ways. A lot of people procrastinate. That is a form of complacency. But there's a more insidious kind. That is just the kind of listlessness and lack of energy and motivation to do much of anything other than just kind of plodding along. And some of that is um, coming from outside of us. And we'll, we'll get into that a bit here as we go through. But there's, there's things that need to be done to help people really thrive. Yes. And one of them is overcoming complacency, understanding a bit about it, and the, the trap that you can fall into. So that's why we want to get into this subject, because it can help most people at times in their life to do better and, and get more out of life. Indeed. You ask Creator, we've learned from Creator that mind control programming used against humans by the interlopers is designed to make them complacent. This effectively sidelines individuals and removes them as potential opponents in their ongoing efforts to control the fate of humanity. We know what happens behind the scenes is that they're talking to the deep subconscious of each human being. Just what are they telling the deep subconscious? Is it a general message tailored to the individual or both? All right. And as a channeler of creator, we get into these topics because they are important. I know we're hitting you right between the eyes right <laughs> off the bat here with deep, dark stuff. But bear with us. Bear with us. It's, it's useful to understand this and hear this message. All right. This is what Creator says about this mind control business. The general programming done in a subliminal fashion to beam messages directly into the subconscious, piggybacking on all forms of media, music, radio, television programming is designed as a kind of catch-all. It is a clever interweaving of opposing ideas such that it will attract people of differing persuasions, each for their own reasons, to align with part of the message and be repelled by the other part, or vice versa. In this way, they can send a single message and captivate people on the political left and people on the political right. And all the while, ramp up tension, animosity, and even hatred of one for the other. This is no mean feat to be done in a single message. Normally, one is accustomed to seeing propaganda in favor of one perspective, one point of view, and it will be clearly seen by most people to be biased in that direction. But by those already sympathetic to the perspective, being supported and promoted, not offensive. The overall strategy of the extraterrestrial alliance is divide and conquer. As such, they seek to drive a wedge between groups of individuals with differing views, and this serves to create dissension, discord, friction, animosity, 
and sometimes warring camps that will actually engage in physical violence against one another. At a minimum, there will be a spectacle created, a preoccupation with a perceived serious matter requiring one's attention, because much seems to be at stake and passions will run high. People will be glued to their speakers, listening to the unfolding saga and wanting to champion their cause and eagerly await an opportunity to look down on their opponents and feel smug and self-satisfaction. They are occupying the high ground in an argument. This is all an illusion because both perspectives supported are a distortion and exaggeration and are propaganda by their very nature. But this works quite well. The overarching effectiveness is due to a kind of siren song of complacency interwoven as well. This is an invitation to accept a passive role in things. The messages serve to satisfy the listener that their needs and values and expectations are being met, and there is nothing much they need to do except to enjoy what is unfolding and how the opposition is going to get a day of reckoning, a comeuppance, a good thrashing in the political arena, or whatever may be the cause, when in fact it is all an illusion to begin with and often a false narrative from a factual perspective. But what matters is the tone whether it is positive or negative, whether it is pro or con, and whether the listener belongs to one leaning or the other. When encouraged to be complacent, it will be accompanied by hearing what one wants to hear in the message that is soothing, that is reassuring, and supportive of the listener's views. That is what makes this combination so highly effective. If it were simply an exposition of political or other perspectives given from an intellectual framework of of facts and information, there would not be an invitation to distortion per se. It would all depend on the person's awareness, ability to focus on the information, and a reasonable, well-built-in database of knowledge with which to, in a sense, fact-check what is being offered as a true reality check about whether it makes sense or seems like something's off, something's not presented, or that something is distorted or being shaped in a way to bypass the discernment most people are capable of exhibiting. When complacent, people are highly forgiving and will be reassured by part of the message and it will be enough to keep them happy. This is not a normal state of affairs at all but is a testament to the effectiveness of the technologies used. Yeah, it's pretty incredible when you think about it, that they can actually weave together two diametrically opposed messages. And, you know, we're, it's like walking up to a bowl of M&Ms, you know, maybe you have red and, and brown, and the ones that are, you know, attracted to the red will just pick the red out, you know, and you'll just pick the brown out. And they, they think they're on top of it, but it's all one bowl. It's pretty interesting. Well, we mention this from time to time. There is a dark extraterrestrial alliance that has designs on our our world, and they're actually running things from behind the scenes, and one of their big games is the game of distraction. Stir the pot. Get everyone worked up. Get our politics in a gridlock, and then create turmoil about it. And it keeps everybody glued to their TVs and gnashing their teeth and hating their perceived opposition and all of that. And it, it accomplishes virtually nothing. And meanwhile, 
they're closing down their grip and squeezing us tighter and tighter. We need to wake up. Yes, sure do. You ask creator, children are highly motivated compared to adults. Parents and caretakers go to great pains to shield their children from the harsh realities and drudgery of the adult world as long as possible in order not to dash their hopes. How much is motivation dependent on hope? And is it truly as fragile as many parents and adults feel it is? All right. And this is what Creator says about this. Because I know hope is an important link that people need at times. Creator says, for the most part, the young are not corrupted. They are naive because they have not experienced much failure other than their personal struggles with the physical environment. This is usually an inducement to work harder, to try harder, to prevail, and to eventually excel in all particulars, if possible, to master their physical body and its needs, to manipulate things, to be athletically competent with the built-in muscle memory, to do many physical manipulations accurately and efficiently. This is a normal drive built into every human being to strive. That is the inner yearning of the soul for learning and growth. So that part is natural. Where hope enters in is when things begin to flag, when there is fatigue, when there is some discouragement underway because energy begins to fade or mistakes have happened and have begun to demotivate the person. Hope is a bridge to faith, a greater belief in possibilities. And everyone needs hope at times to help right the ship, so to speak, and get back on track and not fall further behind. Adults see children as hopeful, but this is more eagerness and naivete and explains why they can be so happy in taking on life in a kind of fearless fashion that is amazing to the adult perspective, having been subjected to many obstacles that were insurmountable and experiencing many failures that were painful and humiliating at times. That is the price of gaining maturity suffering the slings and arrows of life that are inevitable to some degree in everyone's way. In a sense, both hope and youthful exuberance are borrowing from the same energy reservoir. Both are divine and both are related to loving thoughts and feelings. So they are cousins seeking to uplift and encourage and thus make beautiful companions and are truly a godsend being divine attributes and energy both. Hope is a bridge to faith, but not a substitute for faith and belief. It is often the case there is much complacency in people with these deficiencies because they simply cannot envision a better state of being. It just won't seem real to them or realistic to expect something akin to a miracle to happen under the circumstances. And they may well be right, because they themselves have created such a significant obstacle to divine intervention it would only be by ignoring the rules of engagement established by Creator for assistance that is adequate to the task to be delivered. This simply speaks to the need of people to overcome their complacency and be more active in cultivating their beliefs and their inner faith in the possibility of the divine being real and of service to them for the asking. This is a very informative channeling. And, um, you know, it kind of speaks to me a bit because I remember... When I was a kid, you know, waking up on a on a weekday morning in the summer where I was anticipating, you know, going to be with my friends and you could hear the birds outside and maybe a little bit of breeze coming through the window and temperature was warm. 
And that's probably some of the happiest memories ever had. And you know, as a child, you felt hopeful and kind of invulnerable, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I look back at that as an adult, and I, I actually marvel at it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I remember being young yeah. and thinking I could do anything. And, yes. Um, it, and also had a very strong sense. I'm here to do something really, really important. And when I got older, that faded quite a bit because, you know, I realized life is kind of humdrum. There's a lot of routine, a lot of drudgery, and a lot of dead ends, and uh, no big, big, big prizes. You know, wealth <laughs> is fine, but it's not everything. Sure. And, and But now... I'm doing what I was meant to do, and I, I'm back feeling more alive and more encouraged than I've been in a long time. But that, that is when you have faith, and then you yes. can live your true life plan, and it's a beautiful thing. Yes, I concur. You ask a creator, when swimmers approach a pool, they will often test the water with their toes to determine its temperature, which may alter their plans. When the surface conscious self contemplates a new course of action, the deep subconscious attempts to gauge its riskiness by examining the Kashic record, unbeknownst to the conscious self, to look for danger signs in the form of trauma similar actions have generated. If it finds trouble, it seems duty-bound to communicate that in the for- to communicate that in the form of stress and foreboding. If these emergency if these emerging emotions are strong enough, they can discourage the conscious self into abandoning such plans. As most humans are walking wounded, is this a major reason so many people are risk-averse and unmotivated? All right. And Creator tells us this is truly the case. Most people by a certain age have been deeply wounded by many encounters with obstacles they could not overcome that left them in a painful circumstance of one kind or another, either embarrassment at a failure, humiliated at a setback that others find amusing, and will look down on the person or some other kind of circumstance that was highly unpleasant to go through, related to a, fall, a failing of some kind. So that is what is evident when people are wanting to advance and the wherewithal isn't there. Everyone is different. Some are more capable, more accomplished than others. The key is to try. But some people will fall by the wayside through competition. That is an aspect of life that serves to toughen and strengthen the majority but it diminishes and demeans the minority who cannot compete, who cannot measure up, whether in their own estimation or the judgment of others. That will be made apparent when prizes are handed out, people become disqualified and are excused or expelled from a program and so forth. There's no other way to see it than that one is a failure. The difficulty with such enterprises is it fails to take into account the reality each human being is a unique individual, so it is truly not appropriate to compare any two human beings side by side in a competition. It is certain that one will have a built-in advantage, so by the very nature of the exercise, it is going against logic and reason. No two people are alike or identical in what they can do. One will always win out over the other in a given exercise. So most such endeavors are a kind of pointless construct, most of the time influenced by the interlopers to be of interest and take a central importance in activities of the day or goals of a program. But like all hierarchical structures for governance or the organization of groups, the design is built on faulty role models who exalt in the power and control they have over others when that is never a desirable role to play in the first place. 
and is disordered thinking that power makes one great or reflects a desirable attribute. It is a deception and a trap and a direct exhibiting of non-divine perspectives. Uh, the non-divine perspective, you know, it's clearly a lot of competition is set up in a hierarchical fashion where you start with everybody on an even playing field. When the competition begins, you end up with one winner at the end and everybody loses along the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything in society is this way, you know, yeah. trying out for contests, competing in the workplace for promotions and recognition by the boss, all through education, grading yeah. people and every little thing they do, grading every little paper and everything that they say. And it's very destructive. And it, it completely ignores this issue. I think this is a shocking revelation for most right, people. Yeah. They stop and think about it. We're not supposed to be competing. <laughs> We're a, supposed to a... be who we are, figure that out, and have allowances by others to let us find the niche we fit. That's Indeed. a completely different exercise. That's a welcoming, and empowering, and uplifting approach to help people do that. Not weed them out. Say, you're not as good as I am, so I'm here not. Goodbye, you know. <laughs> well, thinking of goodbye, we're at the break, so we'll be right back right after this. All right. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the second segment of Get Wisdom. We are talking about complacency and motivation. And we'd rather talk about motivation, but we're looking at complacency as well. Uh, Carl, you asked Creator, can Creator comment on the distinction between motivation fueled by the desire to avoid suffering versus motivation fueled by hope, anticipation of joy and success? All right. And this is what Creator says. 
This is a good description of what differentiates people who are often described as seeing the world as a glass half empty versus seeing the world as a glass half full. Those avoiding unpleasantness have good reasons based on life experience to be doing so. They are simply acting on what they know about life because they have lived it and had those struggles and those tests of forbearance, endurance, tolerance, and the ability many times to absorb pain but soldier on. Those who are unencumbered or less so will rise to the top like cream because all are divine in origin and have divine perspectives within them. When that is not tarnished by failure, unhappiness, and the struggles of physical existence, because a person is blessed with financial security, good health, and loving companions, for example, it is much easier to have lofty thoughts and be filled with hope for the future, because such a future is a logical extension of a past that has been rewarding and satisfying. When one has a very challenging and unrewarding life, Summoning hope is much less likely to happen. Many no longer have the wherewithal unilaterally to even raise themselves up enough to hope. This is quite sad, but a testament to the challenges life holds for many and the fact much is needed to fully heal the human community. There are far too many who suffer still, and that is a responsibility for all to see to. So this question and answer are a good teachable moment that what one finds in one's path is by default, to some degree, their responsibility, simply because they are on the scene and bearing witness to the suffering of another or the discord within them or the struggle they are engaged with to overcome limitation of some kind. Those with greater wisdom or even greater stability and strength can offer something of value to such individuals not through looking down on them and exuding pity, but a friendly gesture of assistance in a lighthearted way to cheer them up and raise their hopes. That is a divine gift, to be sure, and is something most can give freely without cost to themselves. So another way of looking at the dichotomy here is that the one who doubts and fears is less in divine alignment than the one who embraces life with joy and zest and expectations of even better things to come. That is creator's perspective, and the degree to which it is not shared by all is a measure of the problem of humanity and the work that will be needed to turn things around. Well, it's it's, it's fascinating that uh, Creator went ahead and, and gave us a really good description of the difference between the glass half full and glass half empty. Well, and also, you know, here we go again. This is our world to run. This, yep. this shocks people, but we're supposed to be in charge of the world. Yes. It's, it's been gifted to us by Creator to have free agency and free will. And that means everything is up to us. We can call on the divine, but we usually need to do some of the work ourselves. Even in how we reach out, we'll determine how much God can do. If you're weak and downtrodden and down on yourself, there can be little offered to you because you're not allowing yourself to be empowered when you right. think and feel that way. It's a dilemma. We're not you know, blaming anyone. We're just saying this is what you're wrestling with here, your own inner struggle. Well, it's interesting because of the last sentence, creator is basically saying this is a measure 
of the problems of humanity. In other words, this is kind of a yardstick about where we're at. You know, when you look around and you see people down and out, not motivated, um, beaten up, wounded, that's that's an indication of, you know, what we need to fix. Yeah, absolutely. We got work to do. Yes, we do. You ask creator, we often think of complacency as a lack of any motivation. But can it also be seen as a kind of motivation to avoid potentially traumatic entanglements? All right. And creator says, this is very much the case. When people feel inner doubts and have greater, great inner fear about what can happen if they put themselves at risk, there will be great motivation to avoid stepping forward, taking action that could result in failure and end in humiliation, disappointment, and further self-judgment. People underestimate the ability they have to punish themselves and cause quite severe damage to their own makeup and chances of having a successful and happy life. The deep subconscious will do almost anything to avoid being condemned by the conscious mind presiding over everything that happens. And seeing any perceived failure as an indictment of their own worth And the harsh self-criticism will be a quite heavy burden for the deep subconscious to bear. Here again is ample motivation to avoid responsibility, to avoid making decisions, planning, taking steps to move forward and put oneself on the line, so to speak, where there might be failure as an end result. Complacency will protect the individual from the savagery of self-condemnation, but at the penalty of a kind of imprisonment that will prevent forward progress. And this can become a life sentence to have as a legacy a series of missed opportunities, lack of momentum, and a failure to accomplish the life mission altogether. You know, I think there was a very deep insight here. Uh, The sentence, the deep subconscious will do almost anything to avoid being condemned by the conscious mind presiding over everything that happens. You know, that that's the first I've really seen that description, you know, that uh, well, the deep subconscious is, is highly, um, you know, really susceptible to our judgments as a conscious self. Well, I see this in many clients who come to me for healing assistance. Mm-hmm. They are hypercritical of themselves. They feel defeated. They feel like failures. They don't always blurt that out overtly, but it emerges over the course of talking with them, that they have very low self-esteem. And that's what we're talking about here. And and it's hugely toxic to the well-being because you're you're demeaning and disempowering the inner part of you that has to make a lot of things happen, including your own physical well-being. You're going to make your own deep subconscious (laughs) risk-averse. Yes, And, and unable to move... And be stuck in place. And how many times have I heard clients tell me, well, I feel like I'm stuck. I just can't get anywhere and nothing goes right and I don't know what to do. And and this is it in a nutshell. It's a struggle with the self oftentimes as much as anything. Sure. You ask creator, the cost of complacency is missing out on the emotional rewards of success from taking risks that trying something new can foster. Can this, in fact, generate a staleness and bitterness in the mind that could even turn dark in the form of jealousy and even hatred for those with a genuine zest for life? Okay, I think we all know people who are sort of like this. You know, they're just naysayers and uh, 
you know, very willing to be extra critical of others or dismissive. All right, so this is what Creator says. This indeed will happen if the person fails to appreciate what is taking place and judges the self as faulty in some way because of the missed opportunities and the perception of doing a poor job when something is attempted but fails to be rewarding. Most people learn the lessons during youth that no one, as they see evidenced by their peers, fumbling and failing again and again, can do anything at first, at first try, with any consistency. Much practice is required to master even the simplest things. Life is hard and the manipulations in the physical realm are particularly demanding because there's a body to train and the mind is not used to having to do this. It is used to working with thought alone. So everything and everyone is starting out at a disadvantage. And whether they can achieve successful mastery and develop the requisite skills and tap into inner talent to become successful and have rewarding activities will depend on diligence and openness to learning, dedication to the quest, and a kind of fearless determination to keep going even when there are setbacks and failures at times. Most children take this in stride, and it only motivates them to work harder because they do not see themselves as faulty. They just simply see they need to go back into the fray and try once again, and will often gird their teeth and go at it with a fierceness that makes adults look like slackers. When people have been disappointed too many times, when they've been thwarted by a series of failures and have difficulty mounting an adequate performance to meet some expectations of the self or others, perhaps in a competitive setting like school or the workplace, the negative reactions that trigger inner doubts and fears can start a downward spiral of worsening negative emotions and result in a frank trauma event, which simply means a serious level of suffering happens. And if that is the case, it will likely have a permanent residence, not only within the Akashic Record, but linked energetically to the person who experienced it. And it will resonate, and it will get triggered again and again and again with any similar event where the person falls short in some way. And then the old failures and all the stored pain will pile on to the current moment and greatly worsen the emotional consequences. This is a prescription for failure when too many such things happen and are unattended with an effective healing process so they do not build up to a breaking point. Given that people have so many other lifetimes where bad things happen and that these in actuality are all unfolding in parallel and further that there is crosstalk among the parallel lives so each person in their current life will be bombarded by energies bleeding through from these other occurrences, there are ample opportunities to stumble and create a setback of some kind when the person is unable emotionally to cope for a time and things get out of hand. There may need to be a deliberate series of steps taken even to survive if things get bad enough. There are built-in mechanisms for this as well when people can have a so-called meltdown This is to create an enforced timeout that would allow some rest and recuperation so the individual will not simply soldier on and return to the battlefront and risk something worse happening. And in many cases, what the deep subconscious is fearing is physical death because it may well have happened or be happening in parallel lifetimes 
where a failure is not simply losing one's job, but losing one's life, and may be seen that way as a realistic possibility for the current life, even though the conscious self would never agree that it could be in real danger. What matters is if the deep inner self believes this is so. There will be an emotional stake in everything that happens, and the person will act accordingly, at least at the mercy of their emotions, to seek a safe harbor and avoid sources of danger as perceived by the deep subconscious, more so than the conscious self in many cases, because it knows knows more about all that is happening to the being across multiple lifetimes. We've talked about the deep subconscious in other shows, and that it acts as kind of a guardian, as a, an assistant, and it's it's um it's kind of robotic in a sense. I mean, it's it doesn't have the capacity for abstract thought that we have, but it um, it serves as kind of a guardian. And I think part of the challenge in being a human and reincarnating is that we want to kind of relieve that burden of the deep subconscious. We want to do more ourselves and have the deep subconscious do less. I think that's part of the growth process. Yes, and the the difficulty we have is we're totally unaware, and mainstream science and psychology is clueless about this phenomenon. But it's the big reason for personal conflicts to begin with and emotional struggles of all kinds. You've got a war with yourself going on deep down below, but it, it's a part of the mind that governs the body, the physical body. And it can only communicate to you through negative emotions and positive ones as well. But we're talking here about difficulty, so that's what we're, we're concentrating on. Well, but it, I mean, what- it has a sway. It has a power and a force it can bring to bear. And it can drop you to your knees. Yeah. If you collapse, and well, it can make that happen if it gets worried enough. And it's like an inner child. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not an analytical thinker. It's reactive. It's emotional. Well, it's the, that interesting thing about the so-called meltdown, you know, it's a built-in mechanism. Um, and we see that a lot of times uh, the, the deep subconscious has mechanisms to prevent too much suffering from taking place. Yeah. Uh, people well, that are – go ahead, Carl. Well, I was just just going to say that it's reacting as much to other timelines as to the current life experience. And this creates a big mystery. You know, why am I so anxious all the time? I just don't understand it. Well, it might be in other lifetimes you're getting a thrashing every day. And your deep subconscious knows it. And this is where the importance of past lives comes in. A lot of people think this is silly, new age nonsense. But it's the paradigm we're in. We've all been around the block before, and and our deep subconscious knows it. But it's cut off from being able to communicate that to the conscious self. So we're working in the dark, but there's a way to get at the hurts of the deep subconscious. And we've talked about that. We'll, We'll mention that in our solutions segment today. But this is the war going on within us, and it's important, very, very, very important. Well, it's 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 a lot of facets to it because not only is there you know all the trauma from the past in terms of past lives and struggles that have taken place there, but you know, doggone it, we have these interlopers. We have both the dark spirits attaching to our chakras, and then we have the ETs out there with their mind control, and you mix all that together into one very untasty soup. <laughs> Absolutely, and this is part of the the deal as well. 
the spirit attachments in 90% of people, they're dark and they can see your karma. They can see those other struggles in the other lifetimes and they'll bring it up to your deep subconscious. Say, look, boy, you're getting, you're getting a terrible time here. This is coming now for you. It's going to happen any day. And, and, the, and they bully. You're really a weakling. You know, you're really useless. You, you screw up life after life. Everything goes wrong with you. You're just hopeless. You haven't got a chance here. And, and, and no one can stand up to that bullying forever. And it's a big part of why people flag, why they yes. turn to complacency out of an inner desperation they may not be consciously aware of. But part of them has given up on life. Yes, and it's you know quite the uh, challenge, I think. We're going to probably talk about that in the next segment coming up. Of, uh, we better. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the the challenge for the divine realm and, and higher selves in planning a life is to how to assist us in overcoming our own complacency. Well, knowledge is power, and being aware of these things can point you to solutions. And that's that's our goal here, not to just give you more things to worry about you didn't know yesterday, but to help you understand what you may be going through in the world as a whole and and know the divine is there and can help if we act and ask in the right way. Well, we're at the end of this segment. We'll be right back with the last segment right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive lightworker healing protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the last segment of Get Wisdom. In this episode, we are talking about motivation and complacency. That's right. We are motivated to talk about complacency, Carl. Well, somebody needs to be, so it falls to us. We're doing our best here. We are indeed. Carl, you asked creator, clearly the goal of a soul stuck in complacency life after life after life. 
would be to break out of that routine somehow, some way. Is this one of the greatest challenges there is for creator, higher selves, and other divine stakeholders in attempting to coax an incarnate individual back onto the path of divine alignment? Without divine healing requested by incarnate humans, how successful are these attempts in general? All right, and creator tells us, this is another insightful analysis because the complacency engineered by the interlopers is in effect keeping the majority of humanity asleep. They are not able to see the world as it truly is, nor are they motivated to seek information in the form of useful knowledge that could contribute to learning and growth in some way. The complacency makes those things appear irrelevant and people will end up being quite passive and not take advantage of opportunities or seek ways of exploring things and learning something new, taking on something new to try it out and to see what they can gain from the experience because their curiosity becomes compelling and must be satisfied. That will not happen to the complacent individual because they are cut off from inner thoughts and feelings of those kinds. They are, in effect, isolated from their own soul, and the communication coming to them from higher sources is so diminished, they are largely unaware of the divine and that they are part of the divine themselves. This is a tragic loss and is one of the most frustrating and difficult challenges of the divine realm seeking to help humanity because so few humans are awakened and capable of sensing a divine presence a divine communication through them to offer insight and assistance in the form of inspiration and encouragement in some way or another. Those who are complacent will have deaf ears and they have blinders on and cannot see the truth before them. This is why working on overcoming complacency is such a valuable undertaking because it is a large part of the answer for human progress. Many humans need to be rescued from this somnambulant state if they are to be of service to their brethren and available to add energy to the cause of human betterment. If they stay complacent, their life will have no meaning because they will have contributed nothing to human progress. That is no legacy to leave behind, but is happening for most people who never leave a mark and are just biding time without any net progress and all too often a backsliding to some degree. This is a high cost from being complacent, but it is the norm rather than the unfortunate exception. You know, it just occurred to me listening to this that curiosity is a divine attribute. Indeed. It's a soul characteristic of the divine that's shared with each of us. It's how the divine experiences its existence. It's thriving and it's striving both. Yes. In joy and delight in moving forward, discovering new possibilities, exalting in the gains and wanting more and thirsty for more and ever working to uplift and raise up and spread love. So lacking curiosity is non-divine and is a... uh a real separation, apparently. And well, that makes sense. Yes, it does. It does. And it certainly could be viewed as a characteristic of complacency. Indeed. You just don't much care, you know, that there's something weird happening or strange or maybe uh, intriguing. 
Yes. Eh, can't be bothered. You know, I'm watching TV. I'm, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's one of the most confusing things to me as an individual is just seeing the amount and the lack of curiosity amongst the people surrounding me and my family and my peers and coworkers. And it's like, how can you not be curious? <laughs> you know, yeah, just, I know. I, I am intensely curious. And as a scientist all my life, that was what propelled me forward it what is what made me successful i was so darn curious i couldn't help myself i was passionate and committed and emp- empowered through that inner drive to make the most of every opportunity and and i see now that was a kind of divine alignment playing yes. out and that was a manifestation of it so i'm Absolutely. blessed and it was is it's beautiful indeed it is us creator Dale Carnegie said, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Can Creator comment on that statement, if it's true, and if so, why? And if you've never heard of Dale Carnegie, he was a famous inspirational speaker back in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, we have a whole channeling about him and why he was powerful and people listened to him because he was in divine alignment. He spoke truth to people, and he was an example of someone living it, and he people held him in awe. He was fearless. He just stood there, and he spoke forth, and he said, you can do this, too. And people didn't believe it necessarily, but they, <laughs> they could see he was doing it. So he had a lot of respect. But convincing people about things is tough. Yeah, so this is, is what Creator says about it. This speaks quite clearly and directly to the reality that people are a product of their inner beliefs. When the beliefs are corrupted with incorrect thinking, perhaps based on incorrect perceptions or information gleaned from the surroundings under difficult circumstances or inner corruption to have doubts and too much disinformation bombarding them, with deliberate attempts to manipulate their thinking and incorporate darkened views and misguided notions, there will likely be a lifelong struggle from the many conflicts that ensue when their perspectives might be challenged by others around them, not being subject to the same programming and then being an opponent. Every person must follow their inner beliefs. When this is challenged by outsiders, it becomes perceived as a threat to personal integrity, and maybe even safety and survival. There's a lot I can say on that, but we got some more to cover, Carl. So you ask creator, does the ease with which humans are manipulated to become complacent explain some of the hatred the interlopers have for humans in general? Okay, and this is what creator says about this. This is very true. The extraterrestrials look down their noses at human beings And one of the main reasons is they are inferior with respect to intelligence. When this is coupled with their ability to be readily manipulated through mind control, they are inevitably seen by the extraterrestrials as inferior, limited beings and as weaklings because they cannot resist. That is the depraved perspective of an interloper seeking power and control to manipulate another race of sentient beings. This is also in keeping with the fact that being loveless, they see loving gestures, loving thoughts, and loving perspectives as a form of weakness. They have no use for it because they do not even understand it. 
They see it as a kind of self-indulgent fantasy that serves no purpose and is, in fact, a kind of defect. So they have multiple reasons to have a lack of respect for human beings and their capabilities. They are frail, they are disease-prone, and they are short-lived compared to the extraterrestrial makeup. Their intellectual development is vastly inferior due to the very, very young span of the human culture, as well as to an early subjugation through a manipulation of the mind to dumb people down and dim their perceptions. So even though it is to a large extent caused by extraterrestrials, the meager capabilities of human compared to the ETs themselves, even though induced defects are seen as a reason to look on humans with loathing. You know, and I have to try to hold myself back from looking on the ETs with too much loathing, but this is probably the main motivator for looking on them in a negative fashion, that they see themselves as superior while at the same time taking, you know, interfering in our ability and making the playing field unlevel. It's like, how can you, how can you have self-respect if you're making the playing field unlevel? You know, that just, that boggles my mind. Well, they are, according to creator, functional psychopaths, and you could see that in what they're doing to our world. Absolutely. Yeah, it's depraved. Yes. You ask creator, can creator explain how the light worker healing protocol can help individuals overcome complacency and recover healthy motivation, bringing more zest into their lives? All right. And creator tells us the light worker healing protocol is ideal for dealing with a dilemma of this kind because it is designed to address all sources of human negativity and the consequences to alteration of the mind, body, and spirit. When people become complacent, they are in effect surrendering their power and control, even of their own destiny in some instances. And this is an invitation to be manipulated and maneuvered in some way to serve others. The way to break free is to seek help in most cases because it is very difficult to undo something that has become a part of the self functionally through distorted thinking, through the incorporation of a negative limiting beliefs that do not serve the person, but in effect are a diminishment being foisted on the person by the interlopers to complicate things and limit their lives. So to break free requires some concerted effort, and this will not be easy for the person lulled into complacency and is part of the dilemma. The Lightworker Healing Protocol is designed to remove many sources of negativity that contribute directly to the creation of a complacent state and dampen the possibility of being motivated to act in any number of situations, even for self-preservation. The ability of the Lightworker Healing Protocol to remove subconscious programming alone is a tremendous advance when it is still completely unrecognized by the mainstream as an issue, let alone a highly significant source of the difficulty from all kinds of consequences. So the Lightworker Healing Protocol is a perfect antidote to an ongoing campaign of diminishment through mind manipulation to prey on people's sensibilities, their political leanings, their attitude about wealth and leisure, and so on. The many karmic entanglements that the protocol addresses and the fact it can work across time domains to deal with the many painful times and stressful traumatic episodes across the time domains of past and future, in addition to the present life and its doings, create many avenues for a creative exploration of a person's life and its outcomes. 
to find the causal elements of difficulty and right the wrongs playing out in other timelines. This is a huge area of opportunity not fully tapped as yet. Boy, there's simply no shortage of opportunities appears in the healing area, Carl. Well, and that's what this protocol is designed to do, to work from A to Z, every conceivable source of negativity, and get the divine realm working on it using the highest and best tools it has at its command. And the protocol is constructed to ask for those specific tools by name. And this is from years of learning how the divine heals. We don't do healing personally. We empower the divine to do it as an agent, as an advocate of our client. The healing comes through a healing circuit through us to the client and back to creator. You need someone who knows what they're doing and who has a 100% belief in it to be such an advocate. But that's what we can offer others to help raise them up. And it's a beautiful manifestation of a divine collaboration. So this is an example of what we mean by partnering with the divine. This is majestic and a beautiful undertaking. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize, and that's what we're here for, is to help them realize that there's help out there. You know, we're on a life journey. We're here to pursue our own goals and ambitions and learn love and embrace, embrace uh, you know, motivation uh, to make the life as most that we can. But once in a while, just like if you're driving down the road, you can find yourself off the road and stuck in a ditch. And when that's the case, you need a tow truck to help you get out. And that's what the Light River Healing Protocol is all about. It's divine intervention to get you back on the road again. I like that. It's a nice metaphor, a divine uh, tow truck. <laughs> get back on track. And people you know, are running around looking for enlightenment. And we talked about that recently, that what is meant by enlightenment is healing. Yes. Getting light back into your existence so you're in divine alignment. Well, be sure to check us out at GetWisdom.com. Uh, we have all kinds of healing services. we got all kinds of information, hours and hours of content, video, web, you know, webinars that we've had in the past that are available for anybody to listen to at any time. Uh, also, download our prayer book, very important, GetWisdom.com slash prayer. And check out our description of the Lightwork Healing Protocol, where you can consider actually learning the Lightwork Healing Protocol and becoming a practitioner. You can get that at getwisdom.com slash LHP. Carl, we are out of time once again. We'll see everybody next week for another episode of Get Wisdom. All right. Thanks and be well. Thank you for listening today. Please tune in next Friday for another edition of Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They'll be here at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a beautiful week. 